One of our greatest challenges in this life is with the ones that we love dearly. We yearn for them, we worry about them, we weep for them, we are concerned about them, and when they depart, we miss them and grieve for them. God, in his great mercy, has given us people to demonstrate his love for us, and he has given us communities to be a part of where he shows his care to us through people. But that same affection that we have and that same joy that we experience makes it very hard to lose our dear friends and our loved ones. And what Jesus does in this passage is he comes and he shows that he has care for those whom we care for. And he does this in the story of a widow and a story of a centurion. These are works that Jesus does. And in these works, in the story that we're looking at in in the book of Luke, Jesus shows to them that he is greater than they they even thought he was. And so let's look at uh, these two stories with that in mind. First of the centurion in verses 1 through 10, and then of the widow in verses 11 through 17. Now, when you think about what a centurion is, a centurion is really just an army officer. It's an army officer in the Roman Empire, in the, in the Roman army. And yet, uh, Israel was an occupied country. It was occupied by Rome. And uh, I just think it's, it's kind of poignant thinking about the situation going on in Ukraine. It's like Ukraine's taken over by Russia, and it's like the centurion would be like a Russian officer. That's really a good parallel to what's actually going on here in this story. Um, and the centurion, though, is, is interesting because he has a great concern and he has a great value for the servants in his household. And he has one servant in particular whom he really values and whom he really loves. And this servant had gotten sick and he was so sick that he was about to die. And the centurion thought that there was no hope for this servant until he heard about Jesus. And when the and when the centurion heard about Jesus, he began to think, there is hope for my sick servant. Now, the centurion did not go to Jesus himself and ask him to heal the servant. It's very interesting. He sends the leaders of the people of this occupied country to ask Jesus to heal this servant. Now, we might wonder... Um, or first we say the elders, and that's exactly what they did. They went to Jesus, and when they came to Jesus, they not only asked him, it says that they pleaded earnestly with Jesus. So they really went to bat for this centurion. Now, why would they do this for a Gentile a, and a Roman army officer, a leader of the army that had occupied their country and taken away their independence? Well, they gave Jesus the reason. Listen to what they said. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built, a, has built our synagogue. So this man, who was one who occupied this country, had a love for the Jewish people, and he had even demonstrated that by building them a synagogue. And so what we see in this man is that he was one who cared about people. He was one who had a care for them, not only his servant, but also the people of the country where he had charge of the army. But he also cared about God. He's likely one that is called, was called at this time a God-fearer. 
someone who was a Gentile, but also who believed in the God of Israel and worshipped him. And we see that from the fact that he, when he wanted to do something for them, what was important for him to do was to build a synagogue, a place of worship for the people. And so he was a just man, and he was a pious man. We might say that by the grace of God, he exemplifies the best of what Rome had to offer. Because even though Rome had its negative qualities, it also brought a lot of good things. And there were, and there were just, and, just and pious Romans. And he exercised that, and they saw that, and it moved them. When he used his abilities, when he used his influence, when he used his money to serve this people. And so Jesus consented to what they said. And he went with the elders and he was on the way to the house. But as he was on the way to the house, the centurion sent some of his friends. And here's what they said to Jesus. Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I, that is the centurion, do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. And so he, so the, this um, centurion, this army officer, sees Jesus as so great, and he sees him as so much greater than him. He sees his own unworthiness that he doesn't want Jesus to come to his house. He just wants him to say the word to heal him. He feels unworthy in the presence of Jesus. But it shows also how great Jesus, he thought Jesus was. Now, how great did he think that Jesus was? We'll look at the next verse, verse 8. It says, uh, the centurion says, For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, this is amazing because up until this point, as we read it, Jesus had healed people, but he had only done it when he was in their presence, and he generally put his hands on them. What this centurion was saying is that, Jesus, I think you're greater than what we've seen so far. You don't have to be present even to heal. You can heal from a distance with a word, and I know that you can do it. And how did Jesus feel about that? It says that Jesus was amazed. He was amazed. And if you look at the Gospels, what amazes Jesus is great faith or lack of faith. And it's, ama- it's kind of amazing that Jesus is, made, is amazed, right? He's the Lord. He knows all things. But yet he looks at this and it's like an astonishment. This is great faith. And so that's what he said. I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And indeed, it was great This Gentile Roman officer showed to others that Jesus was far greater than what they thought. Because up until now, they had only seen him heal in person. But now Jesus was going to show that he can heal anywhere. And his power can be present anywhere to heal, even if he is not physically present in his human nature. And it is the faith of this Gentile Roman officer that opens up the door so that people can see how great Jesus is. And they did, and they were amazed as well. Jesus was greater than they thought. Jesus could heal anyone, anywhere, with a word or a thought. And they returned home, and they found the servant completely healed. Now let me just make a few points of application here from this story before we move on to the next one. 
First of all, consider the example of the centurion. I think we need to consider this is a man who is just and a man of faith. And his faith exercised itself in love. And I, and I think about he lived in a community where he was an outsider, where he was a stranger. But yet he loved that community. And he loved that community by showing in deeds, doing something for them that they valued. And so how do we reach out in love? Well, first of all, it's got to be in our heart. We should love the people where we are. We should love the places where we are. We should not have a negative attitude towards the places where we are. We should embrace with love our neighbors. Love our neighbors as ourselves, whether they're coming here for a few weeks as tourists or whether they live here. And then we should seek to show that and how we live by doing things and showing things that show that we have love for them. The centurion shows us what a human being is actually supposed to be. Love the people where you are. Show that by what you do. But we also see this in the example of the centurion, his relationship to Jesus. And, I, and the question I'd like us to think about is, could we ask of something so great from Jesus, such that he did it, if he did it, it would show people that Jesus is greater than he thought, than they thought. You get that question? It's hard to say. <laughs> so, could you ask of something of Jesus, which, if he did it, it would show people that Jesus is greater than they ever thought? That's what we should think about. What are we asking Jesus for? Do we have a vision for something that we want to see him do? that he has the power to do, but that he wants us to ask him to do? That's a question. I just want you to think about that this week. To say, what could we ask of more of Jesus? More of Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. It seems like, well, can we just keep asking of things from him? He says, yeah, ask me. He wants us to ask so that we can see how great Jesus is. Third application is just think about what this might have meant for those who were reading this passage of the first time. That is the people of the early church. Remember, they, they knew people who knew Jesus when he was there on earth in his human nature. But now they also knew that Jesus was no longer there. He was no longer present in his human nature. But what this could say to them is Jesus is still present in his power to heal, to do greater things, than we can imagine. He doesn't have to be here physically present in order to do great things. He can do it from heaven because his divine power can work wherever he is. And indeed, he's actually going to say to the disciples, it's actually to your advantage because he's going to send us the Holy Spirit. He's going to do great things in our midst. We need to have the faith to believe it, to receive it, like the early church did as they brought the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. Now, the next story goes even further to show us that Jesus is greater than we even thought. And it is the story of a widow. The picture we have in Luke chapter 7, verse 11, 12, is of two crowds. Jesus is entering and there's a crowd with him. But there's also another crowd that is coming out. And that crowd is following a woman. And this woman is a widow. She had already lost her husband. And now she's lost her only son. Those two people in her life 
that she might have counted on most as an encouragement and as a support in the difficulties and trials of the life are now lost to her. It is a tragic scene. And Jesus himself was deeply moved by it. It says that his heart went out to her. He's moved inwardly as he sees how hard her situation is. And then he says something that probably we shouldn't say it at a funeral, which is, don't cry. We actually say, don't we, at a funeral, do cry. Because tears are sort of God's gift to help us grieve, which helps us to adjust to the new reality of someone being lost to us. So we might say it's kind of a surprising statement. Don't cry. But now, why would Jesus say that? Because the loss wasn't going to be a loss. He was going to do something about it. It's not something they would have expected. We'll see in um, the next chapter that Jesus was, there was a sick girl. Jesus went to heal him, heal her. And the person said, and uh, now they said once she had died, they say, your daughter, to, the, to the father, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. He, she's dead. There's nothing more that can be done. It's an enemy that can't be defeated. But they were wrong. And they didn't expect what Jesus could do, but he could do more than they could ask or think. And so here's what happens. Luke seven fourteen through 15. Then he went up and touched the beer they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. So Jesus does something that they would have never expected, showing that he's far greater than they thought. He not only can heal when someone is alive, he also can bring someone back to life who has died. Now the question, in this, as someone might read this story, is, well, what about if Jesus dies? Well, in there, too, he will show that he is greater than they thought, show that he is the power, has the power to lay down his life and the power to take it up again. But this was so astonishing for the people. They weren't expecting it. You know, we've heard these stories. We know the power of Jesus. It might not be as surprising to us. But again, see the progression of the story. This is a whole new level, showing them that Jesus is greater than they thought. And so they rejoice and say it's an amazing thing. And they said, a great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come down to help his people. And it uses the phrase taken from the book of Exodus, when God saw his people in distress and came down to help. God has visited his people. And indeed, he had, in in a way greater than they even thought. He had not only come down as sending a messenger with the presence of his power, but it was God himself in the flesh who had come with the power to overcome death. And so, what do we take away from that? Should we not cry? Well, yes, we should. Um, We don't want to say to those who are grieving or who lost someone, don't cry. Um, We do need to cry. We need to mourn. We need to weep. But because Jesus has the power to raise back to life and will, we need to not let this go down to the core of our being. What it means is, we don't look at death as the ultimate end. We believe that there is hope. And so, as the Apostle Paul says, 
we do not we do not mourn as those who have no hope. Put positively, we mourn as those who have hope. Or as Paul puts it elsewhere, sorrowing yet rejoicing. We weep, but it's not because we think there's an ultimate loss. We are looking, we know that God will make it all right in the end. And what that means, secondly, is that we can entrust our loved ones to Jesus. That we say, see that Jesus is able to take care of them and to do more for them than we could ever even think about. We can believe in him. We can trust in him. And the Lord will take care of those who we love. It's one of the hardest things, the concerns that we have for our loved ones. But we can always have a refuge in the Lord Jesus who cares for them like he did for the centurion's servant and for the child of the widow at Nain. And third and finally, while our loved ones may not come back to life right now, this is also a demonstration of what Jesus will do when he comes again. People will rise from the dead and get renewed bodies that will be like Jesus's. We are the people who look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We don't just leave our body forever. We get our bodies back, and we live in glorified bodies forever with, those in, with the Lord and those whom we love. And when that day comes, Jesus will give back all the good, all the good that we have lost. And then he will say to us, do not cry. And he will wipe every tear from our eyes. And we will see Jesus in a whole new way and know that he is far greater than we ever thought. Amen.